Amsterdam and I'm building up nice, that's Van der Sar and Ten Hag Aye, I might just shot this beef for 10 bags Real talk on my life, I couldn't give a fuck about them man And all my guys are ballers, coming like we're playing for Simrap Fake use, get rid of them, me and the gang was doing Yo people, welcome back to another episode of Ballers Corner um, I'm your host Karel, I'm here with Tony, I'm here with Jeff How we doing today lads? Not too bad, bro. No, is that, is that the first time you've hosted? When's the last but, time you hosted? Uh, um, bruv, I don't even remember, you know. It might have been... <laughs> I've not done it in a minute. I'm not going to lie. It's been a while. It's been a while. We've been giving you princess treatment. That's what you're saying. <laughs> hey, when it comes to this thing, I'm, I'm a dashboard baby. You get what I'm saying? I don't, I don't drive the car, but... You know, uh, everyday, everyday Instagram stories of different dashboards. Dashboards yeah. I'm on the orcs though. I'm on the orcs playing bangers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we're all good. We're all good here today. Um, before we start, actually, and get into it, I want to do something that we don't normally do, which is um, get you lot to follow us on Twitter at Ballers Corner, B A L R S Corner. You know, tap in with our threads. You know, we've we've kind of revamped how we use our social media now and then. It's getting a lot more juicy, a lot more interesting. As for today's topic, um, we're going to get straight into it. Uh, if you heard the back end of the last episode, you would have heard us touch a little bit on it in terms of um, the Super League and the, not necessarily the creation of it, because that's long in the past, but the media narrative around it and how their power allowed them to shape the opinions of the casual football fan which caused the protests and led to games like Liverpool, Manchester United being cancelled off the back of it. And the man that was most passionate about it outside of me when we first brought it up was Tony. So I want to get you, gather your thoughts on just how the media handled that situation and how it's not the only time, you know, they've done stuff like this. I'm an anarchist. That's what I am. I am an anarchist and fuck institutions, fuck massive corporations and globalized institutions that control how the average individual person thinks. Is that a good conspiracy theory to start off with? But in case they yeah. want to link with us in that, like we don't agree fully in it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> nah, for real. I just think. No, no, wait, wait, wait. It... Hold on. Nah, Jeff, I, I don't. Uh, no, we're going to stand on this because you wouldn't conform or change how you are fully to fit in and get the opportunities up there. You're trying to go up there as authentic as possible, innit? Yep. So, you don't know my story. Alright. Yeah, nah, actually, this, no, no, right, so listeners, listeners, remember this for later on. Remember this for later on when we segue into our next topic. Oh, we don't yeah. really <laughs> oh, sorry, carry on, carry on. That's good. Um, it was a theory that I, I thought about. And when I actually started doing some research, I touched upon it in the last podcast. When I started doing some research about it, um, my theory then started to have legs and hold weight. And till this day, I actually don't have anything that necessarily proves it. I just have, um, what do you want to call it? Like a online path of everything but the theory that I, I thought about the super league in, in itself was sky sports obviously didn't have rights to show the super league should the super league have been formatted um and created sky sports weren't going to be the ordinary rights holder for that so they weren't going to show any of the games um the consequence of that would have the premier league's uh, the, the the prize asset for sky sports in the premier league and the premier league loses the top six that's their prize asset 
so they won't be able to um, obviously showcase those games. That means that the rest of the 14 and then the top six of the championship would format and create the next Premier League. You're probably losing, I don't know percentage of my heart, so let's just estimate. How many people that have a Sky Sports subscription support one of the top six in the UK? I want to say a third, maybe even half. So that in itself is a lot of money they could be, they would they would have been losing. And when I googled into when I looked into it to see who were most likely to win the bid, <coughs> sorry, excuse me, and be able to showcase the Master League, Master League. Why do I keep saying Master League? The Super League. Um, the one publication that kept popping up was the Zone. And Corral touched upon this a little bit in the, po- the last podcast about how you know how the Zone are actually growing in stature around the world in regards to their boxing footage and other sports footage. Um, you can actually find some of the articles online, but the Zone were looking at the likeliest to have won the bid for the Super League, meaning they would have been able to showcase all the games as their primary and sole distributor. That means BT's out, Sky Sports is out. If you live in Ireland, Satanta's out. I mean, even being in that, probably, I don't know if what that means for that that part of the world, but but for UK, the only provider that would be able to show Super League games was the Zone. So that is everyone, every major broadcasting publication that has literally just been destroyed because the prize assets are going to this newcomer. So this, so what do Sky Sports do to react to this? How does Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville save their jobs? They create an agenda. They create a narrative that it's the owners that have sold out, that it's the owners that have betrayed the fans, that it's a stupid idea that's only for money. And if you're naive and you don't know any better and you're you're not... I don't want to say stupid. Stupid is not the right word, but you know those... the way I look at life is, especially when I look at news articles and stuff, isn't necessarily what are you telling me, it's what are you not telling me. So when I was looking at all the stuff that's going on in sports, about Mark, the Super League is so bad, I was like, why are they saying it bad? Why Did anyone just sit there and say, why are they saying it's bad? And when you look into why they're saying it's bad, you're like, hmm, well, the first thing, the first reason to why you're going to say it's bad is because of whatever personal loss or gain that is of consequence to this next move to you, right? And that's it. If Gary Neville and, 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 and Jamie Carragher were to be hired by the zone and they were going to be the main pundits for the Super League, do you think they'll sit there and turn around and say Super League's bad? No, they're getting brought in regardless. And I think that's the, the viewpoint that I had of it. But where I stand in particular with the Super League anyway, I think it's a good idea, personally. You may disagree with me, that's fine. I think we really have a Super League anyway in the Premier League. I mean, if you get relegated, if you finish 20th, you get 120 million pounds. Compare that to the other distribution rights and, and television rights to the top, other, the, the other four of the top five leagues. I think in Italy, if you win the Scudetto, like Milan did, you get 68 million pounds. That's less than, sorry, that's just over half of what, who finished bottom last year? Norwich got. Was it actually what for the Norwich? One of those two. Well, that's half, just over half of what they got. Now, if Norwich came back up via the playoffs this season, that's £90 million they've made. So, in over two seasons from getting relegated and promoted back up, is 210 in the pockets of the owners. That's insane. Now, the Super League now helps, helps bridge that gap by giving money to other teams in other parts of Europe that may or may not be more deserving of it and help level the playing fields. Plus, it's also kind of defeats the bullshit organisation that's the Champions League. UEFA suck and they need to be taught a lesson. But anyway, 
I've, I've rambled. That was a very good, big, big monologue for myself. But in 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 um, in short, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I explained it properly. Oh, are, you gonna, are you basically on a Robin Hood thing where you're like, these are too rich? Specifically, the Premier League. I'm assuming. Yeah, you think there's too much money in the Premier League, and that wealth isn't distributed across the other leagues, even though you know you have an interest in them and you think the Super League will help distribute it's, this money. It's not a Robin Hood thing, it's it's not even that. Like it's not of a it's not a thing of like, oh, the Premier League has money, so therefore everyone else should have money. I don't see it like that. I see it as very hypocritical of fans of the Premier League to have access to that much revenue. And then when a situation or when organizations of other countries come together to find a way to to compete just to compete the premier league fans are righteous enough self-righteous enough to turn around and say no how dare you like if you're a manchester city or a manchester united fan or a liverpool fan and you're sitting there getting 200 million pounds in your back pocket for finishing third or fourth and i know city don't do it and then you look at inter milan and ac milan who um have spent the last 10 years coming out of administration, finally get back into the Champions League, finally being able to compete back for their titles. And then when they do do that, they get one third of your winnings. And then you, when they turn around and, and look for a solution to close that gap, I mean, Forrest, not Forrest spent 20, 200 million this year or something like that, signing 22 players. And then for you to turn around and be like, no, you can't do that because how dare you be money oriented? I think you're an absolute knobhead. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So to me, it's not Robin Hood thing. It's a hypocritical thing. Like, this isn't. It's inevitable. People, the Premier League has money for reasons I don't quite understand, but it has money. Yeah, fair enough. You know, prize asset. They're able to advertise themselves as this amazing league, and they're oh, wow. interest. But at the same time, like the money is excessive. So when teams outside of Europe are looking of ways to come back and close the gap. Like it's inevitable. This is going the the whether the, the Super League or something like it is inevitable because it can't be a monopoly. The Premier League can't have all the money and then no one else has yeah, any. But the re yeah, but the reason why they got all the money is because out of all the big leagues, they decided to do the breakaway thing where the Premier League is separate from the rest of the football league. So any, you know. Uh, TV deals and stuff that were negotiated are between 20 teams, not 92 teams. No, every other country is between you know every division. I get that, and, and I'm not knocking it like, yeah, the, what the Premier League did is, is good for them. Oh, but... no, I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's a good <clears> thing. <throat> I'm, saying, I'm saying more from the perspective of it's very hypocritical that, yeah, we're in the position that we are with the Premier League now, and then you're painting the Super League as this big bad new um idea when the genesis and and inspiration from it comes from your own league that you created exactly. off the back of the tv deals that you had with sky and stuff like that exactly and for me what i didn't like is when presenting the idea of because i feel like it, if you're a pundit although you're not officially like a journalist who writes for the newspapers and stuff like that you still have a direct contact with the public and in that situation, you have to present a, if it can be biased, but at least present both sides of the coin. Mm. What they did was say, oh, they're going to take away your Premier League. They're going to do this. They're going to ruin football for you. They're going to, they're evil. They're this, they're that, they're that. 
and created this vitriol around it rather than an actual conversation because that whole month or so that the Super League and stuff was announced and got, would have been a great time to open up a conversation in football about okay, has this money thing gone too far? Do we need to scale back? Do we need to distribute funds across the game? Do we need to find a way to stop this happening again? But where's, where are our faults that caused that to happen? And that conversation was never had. It was just, these owners are greedy. These owners are this, they're that, they're that. But clearly the Super League was offering something that the Premier League wasn't. It's not been that. Money. But if you watch other, I, it's not a secret, like I actually prefer watching the two leagues that I follow more than, I, I, I follow League A and I follow Serie A more than that, actually follow the Premier League. I watch United. Um, I actually tune in and watch Watford here and there. And then that's it. The rest is, if I can ever catch it. I don't even know the scores half the time, if I'm, if I'm being truly honest. That probably doesn't sound good listening to a football podcast, knowing that the guy, one of the guys, doesn't actually follow the Premier League. <laughs> I do follow it, just not to an extent as maybe Jeff and Corral do, who obviously fill me in as well. But I watch those two leagues. So, and I have done for the last four seasons now, strongly anyway. It is very frustrating for me as a fan to see teams create a project um, young players or undeveloped players or rookie players come through from that project and then literally not necessarily even touch their potentials but start to show some sort of promise and become players that could be of the next the next stars or whatnot or could be of a very good level in a couple of years and then some mid-table lower end table Premier League club comes and swipes them for 30 million pounds it is very frustrating because that club that you've just been watching goes back to square one. For the ignorant ear, they're going to sit there and be like, yeah, get your money up. But one example of this, for example, is Loic Bade, who recently just signed from Nottingham Forest for reasons I can't quite understand, for like £18 million. Now, Loic Bade at Rennes, I first came across him at um, Lens, even. And then he did had a very good season there. And then he went to Rennes, didn't really have the best seasons of Rennes, but you can see the raw talent within him. And if he stayed, he would right now be playing <clears throat> and competing for Champions League places or the underdog story within challenging PSG and League Um. But instead, because the money that's been presented to him, and maybe because Rennes got an offer that they couldn't reject, he's now gone to Nottingham Forest and what's the sixth choice? What's the point in all that? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's stuff like that. That really not necessarily it frustrates me, and I live in the UK. So imagine what it feels like for the fans that do live in Italy and are watching their team just get subordinated, just get coming, just get raided by all these Premier League clubs, and then those players are siphoned off after a season when things haven't worked out. It's a waste of everyone's time. So I feel like I feel like with the Super League and especially like it kind of brings the concentrate back, it brings the power back to those clubs, helps them make money for themselves for once as well. And then they kind of even as the playing field, whether they can keep their prize assets, they can continue being a competitive club. And it also increases um, competition and, and the level of standard of footballers for the international stage and so on and so on. So, Does the Super League really help these bottom clubs, though? Because, you know, there was also the argument, and this is what all the media platforms picked on, basically, where there was no relegation in it. So you've got, let's say, the top tier of teams who... I'm just going to stay the top tier of teams. And then I think it was like 15 
there was 20 teams in this like league, 15 plus five in it. So the 15 biggest clubs overall, you know, got the top six in England, the top three in Spain, whatnot, whatnot. And then you got five other clubs that like are sort of pushing to get there. But then after that, I feel like there wasn't much for like the bottom clubs or like the clubs who are, you know, not yet there. Like it was, I think it was always going to be difficult for them regardless well first of all you need to remember that the first justice justice what's wrong with me today the first super league <laughs> the first super league um the super league that we saw that was reported against was just a draft it wasn't complete it was still no, in the relegations. Of, course, of course but and if there's no relegations then no but that was that was actually the reason why they said there was no relegation is because they hadn't figured out a way to incorporate relegation and promotion you need to realize obviously it's going to be a 22 league team it was only 18 teams that actually joined the the, the official draft of the Super League, but it, it, they're looking to make it. They were looking to make it 22 teams, where four teams went up and went down. And how you do that when really and truly it incorporates maybe five or six nations? Should everyone agree to do it? We're, we're talking about the Netherlands, the Portuguese, Spanish, English, French, German, and I've missed and Italians. That's seven even. Sorry. How are you gonna? How do four teams get promoted out of those seven clubs? So the reason why at the first draft there wasn't actually any um announcement of there being a promotion or relegation was because a the founding members were right um they needed a reason to buy in so the that first whole like you know what you don't get relegated i actually read a read a report where that was only a precursor for the first two three years whilst the league actually gets running and you obviously you've noticed with football football's retrospective right you have a brand new idea and along the way you perfect it and you tweak it. We saw it with VAR. You've seen it with the Champions, not necessarily the Champions League, but you've seen it with the Europa League as well. Like UEFA Cup going from five teams in the group stage to four teams, and then different changes of the qualifying, which you qualify for the group stage. But as the competition grew, tweaks and changes would make it more beneficial and more efficient for the teams around it. So the that whole reddit that whole um, founding members was just a way for people to buy in and then they were looking to incorporate or trying to figure out a way to incorporate a promotional relegation system from there and just to answer your question as well jeff of how does that benefit the lower teams that don't necessarily qualify for the super league is the same way as how do the teams in the lower half of foreign leagues can make money like if you look in spain the valladolid's and the Real Vallecanos, um, their money not necessarily isn't made from from broadcasting deals, but their money is made from profit made by sales. They have to produce players from the youth team or Moneyball and buy players from lower divisions, coach them to get to a higher standard and then sell them at a profit to the clubs at the top of the table. And that was something that would always happen with the Super League. You'd have, it's for me particularly, the way I see it is players in the domestic league would shine and will have a bigger shine because the big boys aren't there. And the teams in the Super League will see these players, scout these players, and then whoop, they'll pick them up from that team, that division. And not only does the division get a better share of broadcasting deals because it will be a deal just for them, they also get an opportunity to almost create a conveyor belt and sell players at a high profile up to the, up to the Super League. And then players that don't cut the Super League can go back down and work their way up. So it'll be literally like a physical relegation and promotion system between players. No, I, I do hear that in it. I just thought that the Super League, I mean, I don't think we can dispute the fact that it would benefit um, the bigger clubs more. But there was also 
a thing where cool with the super league you know you're trying to make it to the top league in it that's where the money is yeah. do you do you not think that then sort of <clears throat> counts uh it basically what i'm trying to say is will you still play you know these youth play like these lower clubs who you know are bringing youth players through the ranks and that are they still gonna play them as much knowing that how many top teams but i believe how many wait, sorry wait. correct how many top teams yeah like top two teams of any club of any top five no no it's not the actually not play about youth teams i'm just trying to say youth players but like i get it i'm talking about the smaller clubs knowing that we have to win now win now to get up are they decentivized to then play the younger players who haven't got as much experience but am i wait wait hold on a second was i i'm not right in saying that initially the idea of the super league was just to be, essentially replace the champions league but because of how the games were yeah. formatted the the domestic leagues threatened to kick out those clubs and then they started saying right we'll just have a league then if, if they're going to not let us compete but the initial idea was to usurp the Champions League, and lo and behold, the cha- the UEFA create a Super League of the format league. that is the Super League. Okay. Albeit the, so- the, the new the new UEFA the, the, it works a little bit different in regards to who you play, but it's thirty teams and it's basically a league format that resembles the Super League. So, but the Super League was um, twenty teams, and you play you play it round robin. So I think you only uh, you similarly, but the idea of it is compared to the Champions League, it reduces the filler. So the cream of the crop go there, and I assume all the money is concentrated in that league and then distributed in a way that every team that competes benefits greatly from. Now, in essence, I don't see an issue with that because obviously the like the, the idea of a super league has floated about since the 60s uh, 50s even 50s 60s uh, i think it was like ac milan rangers and i want to say real madrid wanted to do one in like 19 1960 something and it's always been there or thereabouts and if they wanted to shift the status quo then i don't necessarily mind it but Getting back to where we were going with this, it's more the media narrative that destroyed derailed and destroyed it. Yeah. And it, it leaked. People need to remember that it leaked. Like the official yeah. document leaked, and then all the clubs had to react and give a statement whether they supported it or whether they didn't support it. Every single club that every founding member did support, apart from PSG, remember? And Bayern, I think. I don't think Bayern actually gave a statement. No, yeah, Bayern as well. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone else had to react and give a statement, and all the clubs supported it. So that was opportunity number one for Sky Sports to be like, I think Sky Sports quaked in their boots and thought, holy crap, if this something that actually happens, we can be done as an institution because where's the money coming from? Um, but that, yeah. that doesn't make sense. Even Sky Sports, right? Sky Sports, if anything, could have said we don't care if you have the super league so long as our english teams can still compete in the league it was the premier league and fa and stuff that was saying we're going to kick them out 
that's where you're losing your money. Why is your beef with the guys that are creating a tournament that does not affect what you actually broadcast? It's power. It does. It does. It does. How? No, because if... Like, put it this way. If um, they're in the Super League, remember, the Super League was not supposed to coincide with league matches. It was essentially supposed to replace the Champions League, which means right. you can still fulfil your domestic fixtures. But these lots said, if they do this, if they join the Super League, they will be banned from the Premier League. Mm. So, but Sky Sports ran with that and said, oh, these lot are trying to break off and go into another league, which they weren't trying to do. And yes, that would have affected what they broadcast, but they don't broadcast the Champions League. If BT were doing all that stuff, fair enough, because all you've got is the Champions League, basically. And you've, uh, and obviously, I think what well, they show Liga as well. What makes more money? The Premier League or the Champions League? How does it the Premier League, no? The Premier League, because there's more there's, there's more product. There's more games. There's more teams to broadcast. It's, it runs for longer. Do you know what I mean? So, this is where I'm, I'm trying to think in the interest of Sky Sports. If you put that, in, if you put that to compete with the, with the Super League, who offers a similar format to the Premier League, but 20 juggernauts, who's the casual eye, their attention is going to be pulled towards which, which format, which, sorry, which competition. Mm, yeah, but that's also like saying if, if Liverpool play um, City in, in the Premier League, but they've also got a double header coming up in the Champions League, casual fans are not going to watch a Premier League match. They're only going to watch the... Champions not League, necessarily, because it would, that would then depend on what stage the Champions League match is at and what the league says. Either, regardless, like Liverpool versus City in the Premier League is going to be uh, a coveted fixture. A lot of people will watch that, regardless. But if you've now said you've got, cause the, I don't know, like let's I don't know, let's say um, the Super League games ran midweek. Uh, you know, there's some. There's sometimes there's midweek games for the Premier League as well, right? Let's say West Ham played. Aston, actually, you're right. I think in that sense, you're actually right both ways. <laughs> but thinking, in a way, I was thinking where you're going with this because the, the <laughs> idea is you still play all the matches that you normally yeah. play, and I, and I was gonna say like it doesn't really matter. Like even if you say it's Chelsea, United, whoever, they're tenth in the league. More often than not, most of the fans are still going to watch from week in, week out, whether it's to enjoy the game or just to see how bad they actually are, innit? And if they play in the Super League midweek, yeah, it's cool. You've got Real Madrid to look forward to, Barcelona or whoever, but you still hold that regard and respect for your... Um, for I just... I, I think, think it was a lot of politics. It was just a lot of politics. I think it's just it's threat. Like it's, I think the Super League was just a big threat to the establishment. Oh, you also need to factor in like culturally, football fans are bereft of change. They hate change. So, like, look how unpopular that's gone ahead. By the way, isn't it the forty-eight um, World Cup, forty-eight team World Cup? Is that going ahead? I'm not sure. You know, I, think for, I hate the. Tw- I'll tell you what. I hate the twenty-four team. Um, Euros. Euros. That yeah. is so crap. But, for reasons, I, I know for a fact, fact that yeah. Correct. I know for a fact. I know for a fact that you have your reasons for the twenty fourteen year twenty four teamed um, Euros, but like the average fan who's only known sixteen teams, 
in the Euros and 30 teams in the World Cup. So we're going to see these new, um, these new projects where they try and say, you know what, not enough teams get involved in the World Cup. Let's try and make it a more involved competition. It will raise money worldwide and have a longer competition. Football fans, especially in the UK, do not like change. They're not going to support that regardless. So you add that into the fountain of we have a, an institution here in the zone that our favourite is to get the bid for the Super League, which will incorporate the most money. They could usurp us and may possibly take money off our hands. So I think it was just the threat of change, the threat of business, and really and truly as well, a bad draft that was able to whirlwind into this massive yeah. story for them to run with. But just hilarious, yeah. This is why football fans, I, I, I will never understand them. Because the Super League came about, fair enough, right, and, and right or wrongly, whether you want to protest or you didn't agree with it, that's fine. But essentially what football fans said to Sky is, I, we love you, Sky, man. You keep doing what you're doing. Do you know what I mean? If anything else, we're here for you guys. Oh, you want, And then, how, did they reward all this protesting and stopping of the Super League and making all the Premier League teams pull out? Did they reward the the, the subscribers or anything with it? No. no. If anything, the prices went up. But <laughs> You know what? Because they took away the competition and then told you this is the best you're having. Like, if anything, the same way fans um, protest ticket prices, you should be protesting against um, the, the subscription prices. You're, you're paying astronomical amounts, like I said, for, for like three games a weekend. Yeah. And what the worst it? part is... It's, it's £50, £50 a month for BT. It's £50 a month for Sky Sports. And then if you want to watch European football, that's not the not the Champions League. Like, you want to watch Syria... Um, and other divisions like that, you have to also buy the plus package, which is Premier Sports. So all in total, it comes up to one ten. I do not know what the average ticket price is for a Premier League game, but I'm willing to wager it's no more than seventy. So really and truly, would you rather go to one match a one match a month if you can for seventy pounds, or watch what you probably maximum four games? You'll probably watch, depending on who you support. If you support Man United, Man United are probably on Sky Sports, what, three times a month? Yeah. And that's the problem, though. That's, that's the real issue where, like you said, your team, depending on who you support, might be might be on, TV, on Sky or BT, which means you have to pay £100 regardless because you don't know what channel you're going to be on yeah. once in that month. <laughs> but I think you know. First of all, someone like Gary Neville, who like a lot of people like, when he's coming to complain about it, and he's just bare adamant that this thing is wrong and it shouldn't go ahead. It's gonna sway people if people don't really have the ability to think, you know, with their own mind, or if it's unknown to them, and all you're hearing is Gary Neville say, "No, nah, this is completely wrong. Like, why would this happen? This is." This is not going to favour all of you people who support Barnet and Wickham and teams like that and Southend United. So now you've got the majority of people who are outside support teams outside of the Premier League hating it. Then inside the Premier League, you're seeing the 14 other teams, again, 
he's saying stuff like, oh, you're not going to get into the Super League. There's no relegation. They're going to hate it. So once he conveys that, Jamie Carragher's conveying that, and there's all these like reports and just stuff like that making it seem like the most horrible thing in the world, the average listener, the average fan is just going to be like, what the hell is this? And then it's even going to start to sway fans of the clubs who will probably benefit. Because then you've got Chelsea fans protesting, you've got Arsenal fans protesting. They're not really sure what they're protesting about. And they probably haven't been well informed as to how this Super League can actually help them. But they're doing that anyway, isn't it? And then they end up feeling like they've achieved because the Super League is no longer going ahead. How much so, time have you... Sorry, was you, I, I, I'm sorry if I interrupted you there. No, go on. You mentioned Gary Neville, right? Yeah. And we're talking about just necessarily the influence that these pundits and these media corporations have on the average fan. Um, we've seen recently as well, especially for the last four years, with a particular name, Paul Pogba, and uh, <clears throat> the agenda of behind him by Graham Souness. Do you also think, just to switch the attention quickly from the Super League to actual players as well, do you think that these pundits make or break, can make or break a player's career as well? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Uh, not maybe the player's career, but the perception of that player, 100%. Because then you got, you know, the average fan thinking... Uh, this guy's a twat. What did he actually do? No one really knows. Like, yeah. He sort of lives his life and does whatever. He plays on the weekend for his team, but no one likes him. Do you know what I mean? And it's, that's just I because always, of influence. I always sit there and I think, when it, when it was for the Super League, I, I, I kind of understood the reason for the movement behind it. Like, it was simply just to preserve the Premier League as, as the most... Um, profitable league in the world. It was preserved the brand. It was preserved Sky Sports as lucrative sponsorship of the Premier League and broadcasting deal with the Premier League. When I see it, when I see pundits do it for players, though, I'm like, what? What do you gain? Do you know what I mean? The problem I have with punditry in this country is it's not. I have a serious problem with ex-footballers being pundits uh, because it doesn't matter how well and how high you played the game doesn't mean you understand it. Um, with US yeah. sports in particular, what I really like about US sports is they get analysts that research and have spent years working with data that have a different understanding to the game rather than just casual fan face value. And they're able to give a more in-depth and a more constructed decision or reading of what we've just seen as fans. I was actually going to say get managers involved, but Graham Souness was a manager, and I just don't want to see him on my TV anymore. But <laughs> like, would you guys? Would you guys? What is it to gain? What did you think a pundit gains from um, spreading misinformation or creating a narrative in a footballer? Um, do you know what the worst thing is? Sorry, Carol. Do you know what the worst thing is? I actually don't think they think it's misinformation. I genuinely think there's this horrible generational gap between. Yeah, you have to do things the right way, you know, get stuck in. And now it's a bit more vibes and, you know, you can enjoy yourself off the pitch because soon as was there, them times when Tony Adams is drinking before a game and all these people are drunk. But now it's an issue when a player gets a tattoo or drives a flashy. I just think there's a there's a gap. There's a 
big generational gap and these lot genuinely believe i don't think Sunes goes on sky sports and he's doing agenda for the sake of it i think deep down that's actually what he thinks like he actually thinks why is Pogba changing his hair all the time it means he's not serious or why is Aubameyang driving this car or do you know what i mean i think they genuinely believe that and that's even scarier if it was just agenda and you know you wake up in the morning you're like how am i gonna shake tables today and then you go and do that fair enough in it like you're you're doing whatever you want to do but if you genuinely believe it and you're genuinely chastising players and criticizing players for what they do because you believe it that's that's scary because but I would say what they gain from it is interactions, uh, ratings. They got a fan base, isn't it? Uh, YouTube views. Like, look, like Pogba left, right? And there was a vacuum. He was the next, or Pogba was even playing for most of the last season. And then he's gone now. He's the next person to pick on. Ronaldo. Like, they, they have to have a target. Because, and I'm, you know, like, we're going to get into this as well soon where we talk about, like, do we care what players say or do I, like, I really don't. But, for all, say, someone like Jack Grealish's indiscretions, and I only use him because he's very publicised some of the stuff that, you know, happened off the pitch. Never, when he's underperformed, have I heard anything to do with off the pitch. And that's to say, not to say that there's a bias against him. Or I'm not. I'm not doing white, black, anything. Because like I said, Ronaldo. I'm saying, when these people find a target that works, they hone in on that target for a while. It was Arsenal. There was Xhaka. Um, they 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 saw a weak point there, and they saw that it attract rating attracted ratings. Look at um every time Arsenal played, they'd always bring in the um Evra because he knew. If they lost, he's gonna, he was gonna do something. If United lost and he was there, he was gonna bring something. Like we have to be very honest and say, okay, there is an element of truth to it, but they're playing into it. Because why could someone who's as outspoken as Roy Keane never have even a single minute criticism towards Ronaldo, regardless of what he does, if he plays well, plays bad. So you can see there's a part, there's an element of like, oh, they like you have autonomy. While everyone else is is bashing this guy, you don't have to. But they know, I, I know they know what works and what doesn't work. Oh, 100%. And it's always led into it. Like, I don't, it's not unprovoked. The one thing that's that's where I was leaning to, Kara, but unprovoked. What's the pattern? Because Pogba, in my eyes, was unprovoked. Pogba, ninety million pound signing, not his fault. Came back because he had unfinished business at Manchester United. Um, had a mixed first season. I think he had a stronger second season than this. But actually, no, that's a lie. Doesn't matter. Anyway, first two seasons were relatively decent. Eighteen nineteen was his best after the Mourinho sacking. Yet, if it wasn't. My, my United are obviously a big institution. They'll always be the, top, the top topic of conversation. But if it wasn't Pogba, it was Mourinho. And with Mourinho, yes, maybe because he called himself a special one, I can kind of understand why they want to tear him down. 
But with like Pogba, I didn't understand it. And you mentioned Grealish. First of all, I have a strong belief and believe that this country would never attack one of their own, regardless if you are an idiot human being or not. Um, yeah, unless, you, you unless you've done something, I mean, unless you've done something to, to antagonize the, the casual viewer, um, then I, I generally don't believe that. Are you, that wait, wait. Are you talking English or are you talking? That's English? what I'm saying. It depends yeah, on the classifier. I'm talking English. Certain Raheem Sterling, that you know, for a while they wouldn't leave him alone. Listen, what? listen, Raheem Sterling was, was, was the subject of. Um, no, I'm going to say of abuse, basically, by media outlets, just because of what happened when he left Liverpool. He forced his way out of Liverpool, and if you, bro, like these media corp- Liverpool in the '80s was like everyone, everyone in this country supported Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, like those people growing up in that generation are now the people that own things and manage things. So that's my only understanding of why that is. But like Carroll said, Grealish, you know, broke lockdown regulations. He got he, he went to go see his mates and had a party, right? Got drunk, crashed his Range Rover. Yeah, he got a slap in the wrist and was fine by it. Like, what else did he do after that? There was something else he was in the newspaper for, I can't remember. But like his treatment compared to Pogba reading the Quran in, in his in his car before heading to an award ceremony or dancing at at his brother's wedding when he had um cast on his ankle and that's been breaking news story it's 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 that whole like you the whole thing of the targets i, I don't understand how they target and why they target certain players that's what i'm saying it's because these players break the mold first of all obviously it's not it I, i'm not trying to you know make it sound like they're xenophobic but like you said it's never players from this country so you're looking for an outside player who's a bit flashy you know they've got a bit about them they they have a bit of swag a bit of style then it's like no you're not supposed to do that why is obama young do because it was it was him for a while as well like they were just on him for no reason because he drives this car or he's doing this to his hair and you know he's goat like he's pictured here going out and whatnot same with pogba like if you're a little bit flashy if you don't you know fit the mold of what they want they want you to be nice and quiet then it's going to be you because you'll never see a story about Kante you'll never see a story about Sadio Mane I'm sure they could do the same I'm sure Kante could do the same wrongs as his World Cup winning partner Pogba but Kante is going to look like the bad guy because of the way Kante comes across where he's bare cute and friendly and whatnot is loved right and we're gonna you've opened the door there so we're gonna walk into it kante is the is how white people want to see a black person and if you don't believe me auntie joshua's career is the definition of this when you are black and successful um you need to be humble to preserve your image because if you're humble and you're respectful you are seen as a oh you're a nice guy because you know You've made your millions of pounds, but you don't rub it in my face that you do. Kante, I remember there's a story of Kante arriving at Chelsea training in a smart car or something like that. Is it a smart car or was it a... No, or was it a Mini Cooper? I can't remember. But it was like uh, a very... It was a Mini Cooper, wasn't it? It was like a working class car. And everyone was like, look at him. He's so humble. What an amazing human being. Fantastic guy. N'Golo Kante, best midfielder in the world. 
So if he came around now and he started when he started just pulling up in in twelve thousand pounds Dior's, you know what I mean, driving a supercar, telling everyone to get out of his face, don't chat to me, said your Berahino style, the name image is gonna change. And the reason why I can say this wholeheartedly is because if you watch Anthony Joshua's career, right, he came from the Olympics and he started making a name for himself in the boxing world and he always spoke about his faith, spoke about his mum, spoke about the fact that, you know, he's come out of prison and this was an opportunity for him to turn his life around. And that was seen as Anthony Joshua, hardworking man, um, you know, humble guy, look at this person, Mr. England. Do you know what I mean? He, just, he gets it. He just gets it. And then Anthony Joshua gets to a place where, like, he wants to enter the realm of greatness, but he needs to prove to people that he is great. And the loss to Andy Ruiz obviously got to his head because he didn't feel like he did, it ruined his record and he didn't feel like he deserved to have that on his record. And all of a sudden, he's saying these things of like, I am one of the best fighters of these last 10 years and I want to be respected for this. And all of a sudden, the perception's changed. It's now, oh, he's getting a bit cocky here. Whether or not you, des you think he deserves the, the recognition is, is another thing. It's an opinion, right? But he's basically saying, now, look, look at my record. Look at my knockout record. Look at where I've come from here. Give me my flowers, isn't it? And all of a sudden, that, as well as the BLM, when he read the note thing, completely changed the vision. If you are, if you are a black person with personality, right? you are perceived very differently to a black person that minds his own business by the media. And when are we going to break that mold, guys? When? That's Am I talking rubbish there? No, 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 you're 100% you're correct. They're just, they hate, they hate confidence, they hate flamboyancy, they hate flashiness. It's, it's true. But th this is where for me, we need to get to an age where players use their voices now. Because if you want to put my off-the-field stuff into the limelight and use it as a stick to beat me with, let me use my voice off the pitch. You know, they always say, let your feet do the talking, let your game do the talking. But we need to, they need to open up their mouths and speak. Like I would like to see that. And I think... It's the worst part about it is we recognize that it's a media driven thing, but the bit that irks me is how it seeped through into the casual fan and even into the younger generation. Like now, we're looking on Twitter and this player raps, or this player does fashion, or this player does this. Ah, oh, he's not serious about ball. Oh, he's. he's He's this and that. How can man be doing this off the pitch and that? Like it, it, it's almost like they, they're young. These people are young, but they've got the old mindset. Whereas you'd, you'd think when these people are young, they're gonna come with a new, you know, different mindset. And I just, it's just, it, it's frustrating to see. To say Do you think it's the same everywhere? Do you think? This is just, you know, um, media platforms in general, whether it's in Spain, France, Italy, or do you think it's more the UK? Um, I think I, I want to say, I want to say, I think the, the players abroad, they're definitely more, 
either the the scrutiny or the all round things no. the it, no I'm saying the overall like like putting them down that type of scrutiny might not be as prevalent but even if it is they're in a position to not care and do what they do you've got in Italy you've got Leal you had Gallini these men are dropping music and doing all sorts they hate Neymar to France yeah fashion week but you've got to remember in these countries so if it's Paris if it's Milan uh, oh, Mil- I said Italy Milan so that they have culture as well so if a player's like a fashionista and stuff like that, he, he's not gonna get bashed because that's the that's the thing over there. Do you get what I'm saying? The guy... not, I get what you're saying, but it's not literally. It's literally in, I can't speak for other countries. But I know in France, I know in in um, Italy, particularly, it's specifically on what they do on the pitch. That is it. You will get scrutinized if you play badly. And your performance is the reason why your team lost in the weekend. That is it. It doesn't matter if you were at, like Carell said, Milan Fashion Week the week before. It doesn't matter if you like to race rally cars in your spare time. It doesn't matter if you have a vineyard and you spend half your time away from the training pitch trying to build up your vineyard and sell in you sell your own wine to other people. Like Bened- Federico Benedeschi became a fashion icon for the new Juventus um, clothing brand that kind of just flopped one under the radar. And then from that, he started doing his own line. He completely refigured his his Instagram account. And this kind of coincided with his performance getting worse and worse. And you don't, you didn't know that, did you? You, you, you wouldn't know, you didn't know about that happening because they don't care. <laughs> like, as long as you pull up to your game, right? And you play football, do what you want to do. In Madrid specifically, yeah. I know we've had a lot of indices where you know Madrid fans have booed Bale, they've booed Ronaldo, they've um, they've stolen. Uh, I remember there was a situation at Napoli once actually, where Napoli stole Spalletti's car and were like, "You can have it back when performance improves." Something something similar happened in Madrid. But if you notice when you've actually read about these situations, yeah, it's, it's never anything about what's happening outside of players' life. It's you know always I mean? about football, yeah. You know, I back you as well on that because I've seen clips from um, what's that show in Spain? Chiringuito. I've seen a few clips mm-hmm. even from like um, France where they're like bashing PSG and Bappe and stuff like that. But never once, like, even I think there was one that was even onto him about like how he's been acting in it. Mm. But they never made it personal in a sense of, oh, like Neymar's doing this off the pitch, so he's not. They're saying like when you show up to play for this team, you have to perform. You're expected yeah. to win the Champions League. I don't care how you do it, make it happen. Or yeah. so for you to perform like this, it's a disgrace. Cool. They leave it at that. I didn't hear anyone saying um this and like like taking it left, taking it right. But in England, the analysis is always this player is not playing well. Ah, but he's making TikToks. Bro, do you think if, if, if even if um, Alfonso Davis has a five-game slip, this guy's streaming, TikToking. He's basically he's basically a content creator at this point. But they're not gonna draw for that. It's always gonna be 
why is his performance not great? And he needs to yeah. get better. Now, it's different if the player's, like, been caught, like, I don't know, like, out drinking the night before a game or he's been out late. But even then, you'll read old reports about guys like Cassano and this and the Brazilians that used to go party and stuff. And we, as fans, decided that these players fell off because they partied. It didn't come from their national media. They would just tell you, oh, they're partying. When, let me tell you a story real quick. When Inter Milan lost to Borussia Dortmund in 2019, um, and Conte went on that crazy run about um, the players here aren't used to winning. We need more experience with people that know how to win so that we don't bottle games in the future. There was a uh, video clip the same day of Marcelo Brozovic smoking a cigarette in the changing room. Um, now, you guys... How do you think that the reaction of people would be if we've seen it of any of any team in the Premier League, any top six team in the Premier League in a must-win game to qualify for the knockout stage of the Champions League? You bottle it despite winning, to, despite being ahead, and then one of your more important players is smoking a cigarette in the showers. It's going to be perceived quite badly, but right? You know why they don't care, though? No, they no, no. I'm saying over there because if their man smoke. Verratti smokes like a like a chimney. Like he is now not a well known. Mangoland too. He did the same thing. Yeah. I'm trying trying to tell you the the reaction. The reaction that they got was actually quite positive. That helped humanize Brozovic. Fans saw Brozovic smoking in the changing room and they didn't acquit it to this guy doesn't care. He doesn't look after his body. What a shame. What a disgrace of 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 a um, athlete he is. They saw it as someone that was clearly stressed over the performance and needed to have a cigarette. And it humanised him because this is, this is how he deals with the situation at hand. And if I've had a bad day at work, I'm going to smoke a cigarette. Do you know what I mean? Like, fans in other parts of the world always look for ways to relate to the footballer. Whereas in this country, it's always ways to, 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 to separate yourself from the footballer. It's, it's, ins- it's an insane paradigm. And I think it's something that I mentioned earlier in the chat between you two, I think it, it all stems down to just the culture in England. Like, the proletariat isn't allowed to necessarily be themselves and express themselves because they're in a place of privilege. Um, and, you know, they're up against it with the, the workers. Think about it. Think of, it's not even just to do with football. Think about any rich person in the world. They can't necessarily just come out and start really, really saying what they want to say because they'll be held with 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 f-bombs and people that don't appreciate their voices if it doesn't align to their own beliefs right because if you're in a place of privilege yeah shut up and behave because other people in a working class don't have the same experiences don't enjoy life don't seemingly enjoy life like you do you know and i think that's that stems down into football as well i think but even in the football sense culture here right like let's even take the quote that you said about uh the conte quote that you said about he needs winners and these guys don't know how to win. You said the reaction to that, I'm sure would have been very tame in the sense that that's probably a normal thing for an Italian manager to say about his team and say like they're just not there and the players would have took it well. But we then fast forward to even this year with very same manager, different team. He says, bro, why would I play Doherty? I don't trust him to win. Like to get me to win, I don't want to lose or something like that. He said something, 
Now, to him, that's a normal statement to say. But in this country, you can't. Apparently, you can't say things like that. But the reasons why you can't say things like that doesn't make sense to me. Because what they're going to say? Oh, it's hurtful. It's going to hurt his confidence. His mental health. It could be this. It could be that. But the pundits are going to say the same thing. Now, Jeff is Jeff is someone that clearly disagrees with this because we've had multiple multiple exchanges about this. Um, I am a huge advocate for free speech. You guys didn't have the pleasure of going back and forth with me and Jeff in a group chat back in 2019 when Jose and Luke Shaw had the altercation where Luke Shaw played a good game um, and then the media wanted to praise him because I don't want to get into it, but the media wanted to praise him and then Jose was basically like, yeah, he played a good game but because he had my brain in his body. Which translates to I was constantly giving him tactical um, advice from the touchline. That blew into massive proportion, and the media portrayed that as Jose disrespecting Shaw. In my eyes, I don't see that because that's the manager's job. A manager's job is to inform and give tactical advice and think and 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 um, what do you call it? And directions to his player. So if a manager then owns up and says, "Yeah." I gave tactical advice and directions to my player. How is that disrespectful? So, because of Corel, what she said about the docky thing, and we know, I know, uh, Jeff's against that type of stuff. To me, it's like, if a manager can't say that, what is he supposed to say? Why can't these people just tell the truth, speak the truth? This is where it gets juicy. All right, cool. So, with the Luke Shaw thing, I think, um, you know, it, it hasn't just been short, it's been Rashford, um, you know, Mourinho's done it with Hazard, Loftus-Cheek, where my thing was, I don't think there's, obviously Mourinho is Mourinho and he's done what he's done. I can't dispute that. But I just think, and we said this before, we said it on the Mourinho episode, you know, you're now coaching a new generation of players who won't take as kindly to that sort of criticism i'm not again i'm not telling you how to coach your players but i just think there's a way to do things with regards to you know motivating your players because Mourinho doesn't have like he said something about now footballers aren't men like you used to have men at 25 like lampard and Drogba. that is 100 percent true i agree in it they used to be like grown ass men that like yeah it just it's not the same now but then he didn't adapt to that. And he's saying all these things in the media. Loftus-Cheek, like, doesn't track back. So he's like he's not going to make it here. Hazard's um, throwing him under the bus after Chelsea lost Atletico Madrid. Um, Martial, Rashford, all of these players, Pogba, like, he's throwing them under the bus, isn't it? My thing was, say what you want. But the rewards you're looking for, the rewards you're trying to reap, are not going to come if you're, you know, speaking to the players like this. Because if it hasn't worked and you keep getting, you keep getting, these players aren't going to take kindly to, yeah, you're not good enough or, yeah, he, I have to basically, I'm the brains and he was just the body. Because that's what Mourinho said. Oh, bollocks. In that game, he was. And it was clear to see that he was. But at the same time, I'm a strong advocate for people to be able to speak freely without, you know, repercussions to their actions so if Joseph believes that 
the reason why Shaw had a good game that one time was because of his tactical directions, then so be it. Like, who are you and me and Jermaine Genius from BBC and Sky Sports to tell him he's wrong? He wasn't there. <laughs> it was, it's something between him and the man. And, and, oh. it, but at the same time, like, with Jose, just to answer what you said, I feel like Jose picks on people that he, he believes in anyway. No, so 100%. He, 100%. He believes in them, but... Mm. Not everyone, I don't think there's a uniform way to motivate someone because Tony, you might like when someone's on your case, like Tony, I expect so much better from you. That motivates you. Whereas me, I might need a hand on the shoulder, like, oh, come on, son. I'm going to encourage you a little bit. Like, you know, I expect more from you. You know, there's, there's different ways to do things. This generation we have now is probably more on the latter side where you know they want some encouragement and whatnot that's not Mourinho's fault but my thing was adapting to that because you're not going to get the rewards you're looking for speaking like that that was my thing in it I didn't I so do you still do you still hold on, that, hold on girl do you still believe that is also similar to footballers when they're speaking about themselves in front of the media so if Jose can't sit there and tell the truth about what his vision, well, what happened in that game of he gave his sure instructions, where do you stand on footballers coming out and speaking to the public and be like, and you know I'm going with this, the Lukaku in, in interview, do you know what I mean? Where he's like, I'm not happy here. I was happy at, I'm, I'm happy at Inter. Because if Jose isn't supposed to say that at risk of dehumanising, not dehumanising, at risk of pissing off um, his, his players, mm. can players say what they want to say at risk of pissing off fans or their colleagues hey again players can say what they want to say but i think with lukaku if chelsea ended up winning the league everyone's like ha 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 that was so silly but fam you want us to leave because you coupled that interview where you were basically like don't like this formation this isn't what i expected and i'm fit now after injury but the manager's not playing me in the games that i want to play and Inter fans, I miss you and I love you and I'm coming back and this and that. So you're saying all of this, yeah? You're sort of setting yourself up because you're not really endearing yourself to the Chelsea fans. You're now endearing yourself to the Inter fans who are also unhappy with you because you left. If you then don't perform, I think you're open to criticism. I didn't like the interview because I'm a Chelsea fan and I just wanted Lukaku to like don't come out and say all of this when you know i don't know if he had internal conversations with the manager that's fair enough but the performances after where it's like this has clearly had an impact on things that's where it was like no but but here's the thing yeah like and why i generally didn't care about um, that interview listen how many times right in our 20 plus years of watching football i say 20 plus years like 15 20 years of watching football have we heard players say one thing and then another thing happens or you know they say they love this club and they want to stay forever they kiss the badge and then they're gone the next summer like we have to understand especially like and and be very aware that Players, managers, club officials will say whatever it takes to push 
their narrative, their bolt. If when, like people turn to me and go, well, he said when he came, he can do everything. He can play with his back to goal. He can play in a two. He said he can play CDM. Well, yes, you want to ingratiate yourself to your new fans. You will do the interview and the, the PR person, interview guy, will set you up to say the right things so people can instantly go, oh, wow, I like this guy, you know. He's ambitious to win trophy. Oh, he wants to retire here. He's got unfinished business. Great. But we're seeing the other side of it now when he goes to Italy to speak to the Inter fans and he wants to ingratiate himself to them too. And now he's saying how he played his best football in Inter because he played a certain way and he would like to be used that way. That, to me, should have been the case of Oh, if I loved and idolised you before and I had so much high hope for you and I had this emotional attachment to you, I no longer do. Like, you are a footballer. You're paid to be here. Your job's to score goals. Score goals. But the fact that it went from love to hate is what confuses me because I'm like, did you not know these players are mercenaries already? Do you not know these players are sold to the highest bidder, whether it's money or trophies wise? Like, like, what we have to understand is, as, as much as it can hurt when a player comes out and speaks, right? We've just got to let it happen. And saying, for example, oh, well, it was unprofessional for him to speak about the club like that. What did he actually say that was, you know, unprofessional? Because football's a business. It's not. It's not a sport of love. It's not a romance. It's not a um, a, a rom com or this this affectionate thing. It's it's a, it's a results based business, and for him to say, I don't like how I'm being used and. Fair enough. If you want to say Inter, I want to come back to you at some point. So be it. You know what's interesting about that interview? He says that he alluded to going back in the future. So he didn't say, right now, get me back to Milan. He said, I want, he said, Inter, I'll be back soon. So what I got from that, the, my interpretation was he was supposed to finish his unfinished business with Chelsea. And then when everything's said and done at Chelsea, maybe at 32 years old, 33 years old, if he still thinks he has, he has, fuel in the tank return to Inter which in my eyes there was nothing wrong with that from the in, the Lukaku I think maybe because I'm not, I'm not Chelsea fan so I can see it subjectively objectively sorry from the Lukaku interview I got a footballer that told you the truth like fans Talk crave the truth fans, fans crave transparency transparency constantly that's why all these all or nothings on, on Amazon do so well because fans would take any opportunity they get to, have, to get an inside look and you get a footballer that is unapologetically just said how he feels and then said, you know what, Lautaro, sorry for the way it's ended. Inter fans, sorry for the way it's ended, but you know what, I'll be back soon. In my head, I was like, all right, he's going to give two, three years at Chelsea, win the Premier League if he can do it, win another UCL if he can do it, and then when it's all said and done, he'll go back. And in my head, it's like, what's wrong with that? But it, it blew, it blew up, and it's just like... What's going on? Like, 
What's going on? It's like no, when... I hear uh, what you're saying, yeah. You went Sergio what? Aguero was like, I want to play for Estudiantes again at some point in my life. No one cared. It's like, bro, oh, it's Estudiantes. Tony, Tony. Bro, I'll give you a clear example. Hazard himself went to France. He used to do them French interviews. The man said, Zidane is my idol. I want to play for him one day. Nothing. Nothing was said. He's a player under contract. He's supposed to be playing for Chelsea. He's supposed to be, I'm happy in London. My kids are happy here. But on the other end, when someone asks you a question about Zidane, you're telling them you want to play for him. But I didn't care and nobody else cared. So with this, and obviously I'll let Jeff rebuttal because it's obviously the other side of it. To me, like one day we'll look back at it and think, it was so insignificant. Like it was... no, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you lot are saying. And with the Lukaku thing, again, it just ties back to Hazard said that and then Hazard's winning Chelsea the game next week and a week after. And the, like, if you can, I think is a thing where talk your talk. Just make sure you back it up so that no one can say anything about you. Because then, like I'm saying, Lukaku was in good form before that interview. Like, he was playing well. He got injured. He came back, he gave the interview, and now you've come back. No, but Jeff, what happened after that interview, though? What do you mean? Remember, what happened? Remember he, he got he dropped. Got, he got dropped. Yeah, but... Because okay, for me, I'm again, saying... If he's doing the authentic thing, he came out to say sorry, innit? And all of that. He got dropped. Tuchel wasn't happy. Like, do you, did you lot think... In that moment, he was saying sorry because he had to, or do you think he maybe genuinely thought, all right, maybe I, I should have done that? I think for me, and I can't speak on behalf of him, it's he said sorry because of how it actually came across versus how he actually said it. Because I don't believe his intention was to anger Chelsea fans or like make it seem. Like he wasn't focused on being no, at Chelsea. I don't think so. The, the problem was there's intentions versus execution, in it. Intentions versus execution. But if you look at it, the first aspect of that interview is it was recorded three weeks before it dropped, and at the time he was in good form. But when that had dropped, he was playing here and there a little bit, just getting like five minutes. Yeah, he was playing like yeah. five minutes, ten minutes. Like it's it's not like proper get your fitness back minutes, thirty minutes impact the game minutes and this is a big player we're talking about do you know what i'm saying like at the time like don't we're, we're talking in that period not how chelsea fans will look at him now but that was a big player a big part of the season yeah he's like he had to play. million of course for me i'm looking at it going right too sure have a conversation with my mind get all the ins and outs think why did you do this or what was the issue and if you really want to do the whole PR thing and make it look all right, come out together and say, okay, um, like we've taken into account what Rama said, like um, I believe some bits were misunderstood and other bits, you know, I would have liked to have kept in the dressing room, but overall it's fine. Like we brought him here. He's happy to be here. He'll play as normal. Nothing. When you start doing the whole dropping thing and, and saying stuff in the media and he's like, for me, it dragged it on longer. And 
it wasn't nipped in the bud. Like, for example, we'll go back to when Rooney, for example, back at, like this over 10 years ago, said he wants to go to the city. Obviously, people like Tony have never forgotten, but the club and him moved on so quickly from that situation that a lot of fans have even forgotten it happened. Gerard wanted to go to Chelsea, put, tried to push that through. It didn't go through. The club and Gerard moved past it so quickly that they act like it never happened. But again, That's this is the what I'm it, it was Gerard, Rooney, Terry wanted to leave Chelsea. Lampard wanted to leave Chelsea. Jogo wanted to leave Chelsea. You've got all Fabregas when when he left. Arsenal fans were fuming. A few years later, um, he's going to leave Barca. They still want him back. So I hear it. But the thing is, again, I just think with Lukaku, the difference between him and all these other players was success. Because if Rooney's then going to win leagues and all of that if lampard's then gonna win a champions league and player of the season and stuff like that is like all right fair enough like end of the season you want to do your thing but you're locked in here fully whereas but, lukaku it seems like his head was elsewhere but, and we can sort of delve into the other conversation we were having today in it so but um, one more thing on that yeah i don't and this is the caveat yeah that i think me and tony disagree with you Ability does not does not um, dictate whether you should have a mouthpiece because you're saying a player can't say it louder. Head no, 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 no. But you said it's not about people. it's not about what they can't say. It's about the criticism they will get. No, but that's the that's the, that's the thing. That's where we that's where we disagree. Though we say the criticism is not valid because whether Ronaldo saying something or even bloody Harry Maguire saying it, right? Which I know we're going to segue into that soon, so I'm using his name. It it doesn't matter. Yes, we can disagree with what they're saying, but the fact that people should say you're not playing well or you're not performing to a certain standard so keep your mouth shut and let your let your football do the talking and then speak when you're doing better it doesn't make sense to me everyone should be able to chat their chat and you'll be held accountable for your words why but... is it that so jeff why is it that fans can say what they want why is it that pundits can say what they want but footballers can't no but again i think i'm being misunderstood harland has come out to say two and a half years here two and a half years there blah 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 so he's already made his intentions clear that he's not staying at manchester city for the rest of his life now that's probably not going to make the fans happy when he's scoring 17 goals in 11 league games the fans are like hey listen you're whilst you're here you're impressing you're doing your thing you're giving you 100 percent. that's all we can ask for it's not about the players having a mouth because they can 100% say whatever they want to say and again I'm all for player power like I like when players jump on these podcasts and they're authentic and they can act themselves and you know they're with their boys or people they've known so it's not to do with that my thing is you're leaving yourself subject to fan criticism and a lot of fan criticism and probably over the top fan criticism when you come out to say something and then it's like so you've already sort of made your intentions clear that you're not trying to stay here forever but fuck you yeah. then and on top of that you're not playing well so it's like you're here now you want to go in a few years and you're not playing well i'm saying that is what leaves the players 
open to this. Hey, we're, not, we're, not, we're not disagreeing with you. We're, we're trying to... against that. We want to destroy it. We want a world, an environment, a sport where players can come, be human. That's what they are. They're human first. Say what they want to say without repercussions, regardless of how they play in the field. Like, if you are a footballer, Jeff, and the reason what like you you can only be yourself when you're in uh, when you're in form is not do you not do you not think that's nonsense no what? but yeah what? no i hear it completely but, it is cool. so the reason why we're here today yeah now hold that in mind the reason why we're here today in this podcast is because earlier this 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 afternoon we had a conversation about alfonso davies um and his comments towards um harry Maguire. Alphonse Davies did a live stream where he packed Harry Maguire. I think he packed Harry Maguire with Cristiano Ronaldo on FIFA. And he was like talking, he gave a quick segment about Ronaldo, how much he respects him as a footballer and whatnot. And he was just like, you know what? I don't understand. This is, this is not word for word, don't quote me. It's on YouTube, go find it if you want to. But he said, what I don't understand is Ronaldo is one of the greatest footballers of all time. And he's been, my, he's been captained by Harry Maguire. You took offence to that. No. Nah. See, I didn't take offense. My thing is, he started the conversation of with off with Ronaldo. You know, when he word for word, he said one of the greatest players um, in this generation, and you know he's praising Ronaldo. Then he goes on to say, "How can you have what's his name as your captain, Harry Maguire?" I'm sorry, but Ronaldo's won this and won that. No offense to Harry Maguire. I'm not dissing you, but is Ronaldo. That's how it went. Now, my thing was, Davis can say whatever he wants to say. He was praising Ronaldo. That That's what it seemed to start out as, you know, you're talking about Cristiano Ronaldo because uh, I'm sure a lot of us think, fam, Ronaldo should be captain or Ronaldo's the leader. Ronaldo's done it all. He's seen it all. He probably has the biggest influence on all of these players. Why is he not captain? That's a completely fair point. But he sort of said that about Ronaldo, where Ronaldo should be captain, then decided to go and say, why is my man his captain? What's his name, his captain? And then it's like, so was the point of you saying this because you wanted to praise Ronaldo and give Ronaldo his props and make it seem as if, you know, Ronaldo is the goal and Ronaldo shouldn't have to call another man sir or captain? Or was the point that, you're belittling Harry Maguire because you could have praised Ronaldo without mentioning Maguire's name. Or you, what? or what? if you wanted to, you could have slandered Maguire and not brought Ronaldo into it. But you did a bit of both and you also said, I'm not dissing him. But you had no, sort no, of no, no. dissed him. But he said, like, he's looking at it going, obviously, the for those who don't know, obviously... The, Davis was streaming, Alfonso Davis was streaming, he packed Maguire on FIFA. This was like months ago, this is FIFA 22. And he said, and I quote, um, he goes, so like, imagine you're Ronaldo, one of the greatest players ever, and what's his name's your captain? Harry Maguire's your captain. He captured himself. Then he said, and you refer to him as, yes, cap. I don't know what he says to him, bro. I'm not dissing Harry Maguire, but Ronaldo, Ronaldo should get the armband, man. Basically, he's saying, without fully dissing him, it, you can say it's a slight on him, but he's not like disparate. He's saying, bro, like, in this United team, 
this guy who's failing and is performing badly and to him is no lead not the not a leader of men he's saying bro how can ronaldo be looking up to you as the captain L let him be captain he might as well be captain because he's that guy it's a bit of both but the issue is what i took with it is like it doesn't matter if he's praising or dissing Maguire. He's speaking his mind on it, bro. Like, he's saying how he feels on it. 100% he's speaking his mind. But first of all, with that whole conversation, Maguire didn't choose to be captain. Do you know what I mean? That's the manager's job. So if he has an issue with Ronaldo not being captain, is that not an issue with the manager's choice? Maguire that's was what I'm saying. I'm going to self-elect myself as captain. But that's and the thing. He's not saying he he's not saying that Maguire elected himself. Because that's why he said, right, Ronaldo should get the armband. He's saying, bro, if that was he's saying in that scenario, Ronaldo should be captain. He's not saying Maguire is holding the captaincy hostage. He's just saying it's mad to him how you've got Ronaldo in your squad and a guy like Maguire is the captain of that team. Yeah, but then again, that's on the manager. Then also in our conversation, we agreed that Messi's not the captain of PSG. That's Marquinhos. However, this wouldn't be a conversation because, like, with Marquinhos, because Marquinhos is just generally rated. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone it's generally rated. Marquinhos, first of all, has been at Manchester United way longer than Maguire has. Marquinhos also is an established footballer that obviously has been part of the Brazil setup for years. And he's not he's been captain for PSG for numerous years now since Thiago Silva's departed. And Marquinhos on a grade is a better footballer than Harry Maguire anyway. Yeah. So, and again, that's not me disagreeing, but I'm saying so then we can agree that Davis said this because he doesn't rate Maguire. No, right? or do you think or do you think Davis said this the same way as millions of Manchester United fans across the world also say it because Harry Maguire doesn't deserve to be a Man United captain. It's not necessarily Davies having a go at Maguire. He is saying what millions of us all say. Does Maguire, who walked into Manchester United and then four months into his first season was given the captaincy where his entire career um, he's loitering around mid-table clubs, has never has never played in the Champions League before Manchester United, hasn't got a trophy to his name, has four relegations. Does that type of person, as a profile, is what it should be given the Manchester United captaincy? And, and does that particular profile of a footballer also be captain of one of the greatest players on earth? Is it normal? Do you see that at Chelsea, Real Madrid, PSG, Liverpool? But then again, this is what I'm saying. That's on the manager. You lot have to have this sort of conversation about the manager and why the managers have decided this because this isn't on Maguire. Maguire's been given that honour. Fair enough. Maguire's been very horrible for United recently. He's had a lot of scrutiny on him. So I can understand, you know, why a lot of people feel this way. However, what I'm saying is, because this wouldn't happen if it was Marquinhos or someone well, like yeah. that, because Marquinhos is respected, it then means that probably this guy doesn't rate Maguire. Cool as a footballer, you know, have your opinion. Even me, when I'm kicking ball on Saturdays, Sundays, I'm like, oh, this guy's dead. I don't rate him. That's fair enough, isn't it? Like, it's not, it's not that. But then my thing is, if your whole thing was about you've packed Maguire and you've packed... Ronaldo or whatever, and in your head you're like, oh, Maguire's dead. It, did he not then cover that up using, like, 
Ronaldo and sort of soften the blow where it's like, oh, Ronaldo's so great, so good. He's the GOAT. Why is my man his captain? He's not good. Yeah, Ronaldo should be captain. That's, yeah, that's my thing. Like, he didn't go but, fully in. We spoke about NBA culture and just culture in the USA in general where players come out and say this, this, that, X, Y, Z. And it's very direct. It's very straight. Whereas this was like, yeah, Ronaldo's the GOAT. Yeah, Maguire shouldn't be his captain. Oh, this isn't oh, a this okay. like Maguire. Yeah, but Jeff, yeah. let me put it this way. In world football, yeah, like, okay, we have to, I guess we have to go off last season because this is when it was, right? It, of the elite team, which team, does any team have a captain as bad, as badly performing as Maguire has been since he's been at that, that club? Probably not. Probably not. Right. And when we say Marquinhos here, the Marquinhos, you can't compare it to Marquinhos, even though Messi plays for that team. On the basis that Marquinhos has been a staunch player in that team. So Marquinhos is rated. That's, that's no, what Marquinhos, no, no, Marquinhos isn't just rated. Marquinhos earned every captain. stripe. Yeah. He earned every stripe. And he wasn't captain until Thiago Silva left. And he took on that succession and held it up. And held it up. PSG are one of the most dangerous team, most respected teams in Europe, right? United are not respected at the moment. The captain is not respected or rated at the moment. So for a man to speak on that and with him to say, okay, cool, he might have dissed him and then said, I'm not dissing you. But the reason he said I'm not dissing you is because I want to make this point without sounding as flagrant as as possible. Wow. Because yes, he easily... You could have made the point without... You could have just said, listen, Ronaldo is... Chris, this is Cristiano Ronaldo. He's probably the most decorated player ever, blah, blah, blah. Like, there shouldn't be anyone that he's calling yes, captain, or yes, sir, whatever. No, like, he because... be captain regardless. You could have said that without them well, mentioning what's his name. That's, yeah, that's it is. Because, because the point was that Ronaldo should be the captain regardless. Like, Ronaldo shouldn't nah, be... Nah. Like, he said Ronaldo should be the captain of Man United because... If we look at Ronaldo's career, Ronaldo's never been, apart from national team, he's never been a club captain in his career. No one's ever mentioned or called that up and said, that's wrong or right. But when your captain is actually seen to be a captain and a serious guy, and I'm not even trying to bash on Harry Maguire right now, in it because like you said, it's not his fault, but people see that. And if fans are seeing it, and now you're seeing a footballer say that, the instant reaction is not to think, oh, why is he dissing Maguire? The instant reaction should be like, oh, so this is like the most blatantly obvious football thing in football right now. Like, even the players aren't really afraid to say it. Now, yes, he could have said Ronaldo should be captain, but still he's implying that Maguire shouldn't be captain. So either way, the sentence is still the same. It's just that he didn't mention his name. Like, it, for me, me, I, I, in fact, I wish he went the extra level, and I wish every player went the extra level. If the, how and spoke how they really feel, you think when Jack Grealish was talking about Almiron last season, uh, at the end of last season, and he said, "Or oh, you've got guys like, um, or when they're on stage and they were trying to go through players saying who can get past Kyle Walker, and he's like, no, no, this player can't get past me, this player can't do me, this.' That's like that's what we need, and 
this season, now that Almiron's doing his thing and he's putting a couple goals and he's doing things, that storyline's even better now because it's like, right, Jack Grealish, where's your goals? You were talking, saying, man, are playing like Almiron, but Almiron's scoring goals. What are you doing right now? Stand on your words. Do you get what I'm saying? So, the, I think the, the, the problem is with this is Davis went for a... Uh, uh, he, he picked a player that can't really redeem himself right, redeem himself right now. And it's unfortunate. But if Harry Maguire had come out the guns blazing, uh, come out this season guns blazing, I'm sure he would have made a mental note of that. He might have jumped back, but he can't. So it looks one-sided. Now, you said stand on it, innit? And that's that's exactly what I'm getting at. Because again, I'm for the player power. But I just think it was a little bit sneaky how if you're, pick, if you're painting this as, you know, this is about Ronaldo and praising him and giving him his flowers, which of course you should. There's not the need to then mention Maguire. And if you were trying to go for Maguire, then did you need to mention Ronaldo? Because he's not coming out to say Maguire's dead. I would have preferred either you say, listen, like, I can't lie, this, this, that. Then at least it's like, fair enough, you said this. Instead, it's like, oh, yeah, Maguire shouldn't, you know, Ronaldo's there, Maguire shouldn't really be captain. I'm not trying to be rude. Because then it's like, again, you've said what you said. You're no, clearly, you're clearly so, showing you don't rate Maguire. All right, cool. So you saying you're not trying to be rude or whatever he said is like, you might as well have just not said that because it's going to be taken away. It's taken anyway. And then at least you've made your point clear where, all right, you don't rate Maguire. Like, fair enough. Like, that's... You stood on it. You've like come out and puffed your chest out and said you're not rating Maguire. But instead, if you're gonna do it like the way he did it, where it's yeah, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not not trying to vibe. I'm not trying to diss. Then it's like you're kind of doing half and half. Where you boyed him off, like you shouldn't be captain of Man United. It should be um, Ronaldo. But then you're like, oh yeah, but I'm not trying to be rude. Like just do it fully or don't do it. So footballers, um, problem footballers have in is in the modern day footballers is the ability to express themselves, and uh, so what you're basically showcasing is a footballer should police what they say just in case it comes across wrong to some people listening. Doesn't that no, defeat the it's point? Not even, it's not even the some people listening because I'm not affected by this. It's Harry Maguire that's affected by this. I'm sure no one understands what Maguire is going through. More than other footballers, who man, have... fuck Maguire. <laughs> I can resist. Sorry. No, but yeah, who else can understand what Maguire's fuck going through guy. more than other footballers? So if you're not even getting the support, you know what? You're in bad form. You probably have been overpriced at eighty million. You probably shouldn't be starting for England or United. That's all fair enough because these are things that I agree with. But like he's. Maguire's not at fault and he doesn't have the protection of even footballers. So it's like the media's going against, kind of going against him. Well, the non-British media anyway. You've seen people like Van de Vaart, um come out and, you know, slate him. And then the fans, the fans are probably the most against him where it's just constant 
Maguire this, Maguire that. He can't breathe without, you know, people on him. And then now you don't have the support of the players because then we talk about advocating for players' mental health and stuff like that. And how do you think? Like, Tony, I know you won't care, so I'm going to ask Carell. No, ask how me. You... Ask me. No, because you're not going to care. You're just going to say, yeah, fuck his mental health too. Fair enough. <laughs> you're less corner does not support that. Like, ask me, cool. bro. I'll answer. How do you think Maguire is going to feel hearing that? It's not just the media. It's not just the fans. It's even the players that are, like, mentioning my name for no reason. And I'm... Um, in the worst form of my life, it, it, it's like a horrible time for him right now. If and then... you're shit, yeah, I want to, I want to keep a buck. If you're shit, you are plain shit, and you are being criticised for plain shit, Fermin. Like, there's, there's, what, what is this like? We, what's this Balamori? Like, if you are underperforming and people are on your case because you're a high-profile footballer, it's not like Maguire is, is, um, like. There's certain footballers where you look at you be like, you know what, the hate's unwarranted. Like, you may look at someone like Anthony Alanga and be like, you know what, it's not because he's a kid. It's kind of like because he's kind of a bit part player anyway. So when he comes into the team and he doesn't play well, and it kind of showcases maybe it maybe it's a bigger showcase of his kid. Maybe if, if Alanga has more to offer, but you can't show it because he only gets Morning. he only gets twenty minutes here and there. You can sit there and be like, okay, cool, it's unwarranted. But at the same time, like footballers are human, but at the same time, humans should be able to say what they want to say. For me, it only crosses the line if it's personal. If people are sitting there and saying, fuck your mum, fuck your dad, and fuck everyone in your house, it's kind of like, what's I got to do with football? But if Maguire is genuinely playing poorly, it's a detriment to the team, and everyone's on his arse for because he's playing poorly, and the only criticism he is getting is that, fix up, you are shit, firm it. But this is also you know a mean? man, but this is also a man that, He's not adverse to biting back. He like, isn't. He's done interviews. He, and I was going to get to that. Ears. He's cupped his ears celebrating. But you know like, what? Yeah. You know what? Like, he cupped his ear against Albania and the England team. He constantly puts up um, stories about his personal stats. Basically, as a fuck you to fans that say that he's played poorly, innit? Um, no, his family mean, members yeah. also come yeah, out on Twitter. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't, I don't care for that. But his family members also come out and they actually like bite back at fans and call people silly cunts and all this shit like that you have never heard me speak about these things because i don't care like if that's how he wants to react to the news that he's getting then he can react because i'm a strong advocate that footballers are human beings and they should be able to say and speak their minds and react to the criticism any way they see fit i'm not going to dislike Maguire because i've called him shit and he's told me to shut the fuck up back i'm not i'm like all right cool well, that's how it. it goes, bro. Like, this what I mean. When you're in, I don't know, you can be playing pro clubs, you can be at goals, you can be whatever. You have a stinker, mum will call you shit, and then you can you bite back how you want to get back. If you want to yeah. say, Look, I scored five goals the last game, how you calling my shit? You, you, we put you in goal all the time, bro. You say what you say, what you gotta say. That's the problem I, mean. I have with it, like I said, and I can't, it's probably gonna come out soon when I when I, when I post it, but this is what I was talking about is like. For me, my biggest issue with um, social media and football and fans is crossing the line, going yep. too far with them because they know that player can't go back and say, hey, you're, you're on me, but I make more than your whole household and your whole lineage, your whole bloodline has ever made together in one week. Yeah, He can't say that. So you can't go tit for tat. However... 
if we're keeping it within the realm of we're discussing player performance, we're talking footballing ability, yeah. This is people comparing your talent because they can call you shit, but really and truly they know they're not better than you at football. They're just calling you shit in comparison to your counterparts. Yeah. Now, your response is either one or two things. You try and play better and perform and shut them up that way, or you come back with different things. Like, for example, we saw it um, earlier this year when Rio Ferdinand did his top five centre-backs and he didn't put John Terry in there. And the first thing John Terry did was put um, a, a screenshot of all his stats to say, like, how am I not on this list? That was his response, because he can't actually play and show you that he's better than Van Dijk and whoever it is. So everyone's got their, their way of handling it, but we can't... My thing is, I, I agree with the mental health aspect, and I say there is a part, a duty of care when it comes to that. However, your mental health will be affected by social media regardless because oh, you are, you're taking so much comments in at one time if you play for man united you play for man city even if you play for like rochdale yet yeah, if you make a mistake or you play badly you're getting at least three figure mentions and if you're at the top end you're probably getting five six figure mentions you're going it's too much for your brain to take in and not go into a slump but we can't then play the mental health card to say we can't critique people because or we've got especially your or, talent or we've got to be careful with how we critique or the footballers got to be careful no, based they on their ability, so they don't so they, they don't they don't they don't get backlash no maguire if you want me to shut up if I'm calling you shit and you want me to shut up because you put up an Instagram story, so be it. If you want to tell me to shut the fuck up, so be it. Tell me. Like, react to the criticism however you see fit, right? But what I'm trying to say is the footballers that critique you specifically because of performance and the football is because it, it, there's nothing wrong with that. You are a consumer, right? You need to remember, fans are consumers. They pay the money to watch their football team play, whether it's in the stadium or whether, like we mentioned this morning, it's from Sky Sports Prescriptions. If you buy something, you are within your right to give an opinion or give a critique on the product that you have just bought. So if I've bought a Sky Sports Prescription and I'm paying £100 a month and Maguire is stinking up my TV, I am well within my right to say that he's been playing poorly. And he is well within his right to tell me to shut the fuck up. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No, I that's, understand. And, that's, and that is the realm that I believe that footballers and fans alike should be able to operate. If the line that you're talking about here, Carell and, and, and Jeff, the line that's being crossed for things when things get personal and have no relevance to what you're seeing in a football match. I do not care for what a footballer is doing in his spare time. I do not care for what a footballer says as long as he turns up to the game and plays the way he's supposed to play. And that's how football should be universally. Now, again, you lot have spoken. I 100% hear what you're saying. But, Carol, you compared it to, like, goals and that, innit? Yeah. The man them cussing me and me doing my banter back is different from, as you mentioned, uh, or maybe Tony mentioned, five, six figures of people in your mentions every day. Oh, you're so rubbish. Why are you captain of this? Why are you why do you even play? Why are you some yeah. people are going further? Why are you alive? Cool. So you know the fans are against you. That's fair enough. Your rebuttal to the fans is like, you know, sometimes you'll keep oh, quiet. Wait. You can't respond to everything. 
but sometimes you're gonna respond your family members are gonna respond cool my thing is when it's also seeming like the players are against you like for real for real i know we've gone on long enough i'm gonna have to wrap up soon where does maguire sort of get any sort of camaraderie from like but, okay but Jeff, you understand the situation because only players understand only players like davis who have played in the champions league they're competing for this title and that title they're internationally known can sort of relate to maguire and that you know there's a lot no, of but pressure. the thing is you could get opposition players yeah that or whether it's opposition or players that you don't know that don't rate you right they could say my yeah, dead, whatever cool and you can say where does he turn to more often than not, he will turn to his teammates, ex-teammates, friends in the game that will that will mollycoddle him if they want to have that conversation because they're not going to say to him, ah, you know my man's right, yeah, you're dead. But No, I he, get it. Do you get what I'm saying? So you, you have to take into the account that, bro, imagine every game that he plays, there's probably going to be at least one player that's talking shit that's going to tell him that he's shit. Just yeah, because someone did it on the internet and someone done it to your face, what difference does it make? So much of a difference. I think that makes so much of a difference because you're coming to like I haven't I haven't spoken about you, but now you're coming to give your viewpoint on me to your Twitch streamers, and now that's a big thing. Now I'm in the headlines again for something other than football again. When all I'm trying to do is improve, get better. And I'm actually trying to stay out of the headlines. Now I've got. Alfonso Davis, um, you know, says this about Harry Maguire. And I'm like, where did this come from? Like, we don't even have that repertoire, that sort of relationship where it's like that. And but just he said it online. Someone else. But he said it online, right? To his Twitch followers or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, what do you call it? Harry Maguire has the same um, chance to respond. Like, okay, I'll use Alfonso Davis for another example because it literally happened yesterday, right? So his ex-girlfriend, uh, the one that used to play for PSG, she posted a picture with her new man in it. Mm -hmm. His fans from his Twitch, TikTok, on his social media have now gone into the comments and flooded it. You're downgrading. You're this, you're that. Fonzie's better. This and that. I think that's too far in it because I think that has nothing to do with football and no one's he's not sent you to go and do that so you're just weird for that but what we're keeping it to is everyone is allowed to have an opinion on the game and genuinely i'm happy some players don't say their opinions out loud i've had man tell me that i've been in and around certain players and he tell me that they think players that have scored that have scored crazy amount of goals are dead that they're crap they think they're rubbish footballers if they said that out loud, they probably get cooked. But because they said it in the confines of the space, they feel comfortable to say. But I want everyone to be in a place where, if he doesn't rate Maguire, fair enough. Maguire doesn't have to ever speak to him again. At least if they ever play each other, if he doesn't shake his hand or he crunches him or does something on the pitch, we understand why. Oh, you was talking that stuff. Cool. We dealt with it. But we can't then start saying to players, oh, yeah, they already have a hard enough time as it is with the fans. Um, can you not criticise him or tell, him, tell people that you don't rate him? Because then we have to send the same message to the journalists, to the pundits, 
what the so if if Maguire scores three on goals, uh because the fans are gonna be on him. Okay, sorry. Uh we're just not gonna cover these mistakes that this player has made because he's already gone through enough. Like that's not how it works. Unfortunately, football is a sport that is played in front of a large audience and is going to be assessed by that large um audience and there will be as much as there's fans that detract from him, there'll be fans that actually quite like him as well. Like, if you go on his Instagram, it's not like he's got zero, zero likes. You know what I'm saying? For sure, for sure. And he's not got comments from fans that are saying he's good and he's this and that. It's just that he's not in favour. So, it does, in a way, balance itself out And when you look at it that way. But we can't restrict people from commenting on the game. What we want is, what me and Tony would like, and I guess this we, we could wrap on this, is that we want freedom of speech, but we don't want it to traverse the actual realm of football. It does not matter if you go to the club. It does not matter if you like to have a drink on a random day off that you have. It doesn't matter if you like women. It doesn't matter if you smoke cigarettes. It doesn't matter if um, you want to go f- um, skydiving, right? Or it doesn't matter if you want to speak. Do that. Play the game. Fan, comment on what they've said. If you disagree or agree, cool, that's a discourse. Comment on what they've done on the pitch. Anything else outside of that is irrelevant. It shouldn't even be in the realm of your thinking. Like, that's why I hate, like, I hate social media in that way because, like, now you feel so involved in these guys' lives that you feel like you feel the need to comment on everything. I told you, I don't follow a single, I don't follow Chelsea players on Instagram. You could tell me that Kai Havertz, who I don't rate on the pitch, I've been honest about it, has, um, I don't know, he bought three new Lamborghinis. I wouldn't know that until you come and tell me that. Because I don't care about what he does. I care about if he scores three on the weekend. And that's how it should be. And that's how we campaign it to be. Um, we want... Just to wrap up, especially everything that we spoke about today, we want media publications to be transparent to foot with with, with fans um, that we talked about at the very beginning. Tell us the truth, man. Um, drop the prices because it's getting a bit ridiculous as well. And for that same transparency is also to be carried over between fans and footballers. Fans should respect footballers and understand they're human and therefore give them the privilege and the, the understanding table to say what they want to and vice versa because fans can do it so footballers should do it as well so football's a sport it's a sport is competition competition equals war so ideally it's to prove who's the best and to do that footballers can only prove they're the best when they're in the field everything they do outside of the pitch is irrelevant so let's get back to the game and keep it to the game rather than everything happening outside of it and that's how we say it there what would you guys think what are your thoughts uh, let us know in the comment section on Twitter or in our replies and whatnot, or even DM us. Let us know what you actually think or anything like that. And um, yeah, do you decide with Jeff or do you decide with me and Corel? <laughs> yeah, do you like to bully footballers or you know you you want? Or do you want? Or do you want mental health? Or do you want to players' association? You know, absolutely nonsense. Or do you want free speech for footballers? In, in, in the game. Do you rather transparency? Do you want footballers to be themselves rather than robotic, media trained 
demigorgons all right let us know your thoughts and before we leave you as well there's one thing you always have to remember follow us on twitter follow us on instagram follow us on tiktok it's b-a-l-l-r-s corner and uh who's gonna have the privilege of saying our tagline do you progression not footballers. Football. oh wait sorry oh. progression in football is not linear do not bully footballers yeah mental health first i stand with maguire all right right, pass free up the gang they're innocent soon home that's imminent and my niggas don't play no games like they pull their ligaments i want to rack for the beat i just made that's a minimum you know the source is different i want to rack for the beat i just made that's a minimum you know the source is different fake use get rid of them fake use get rid fake use get rid of them fake use get rid Fake use get rid of them. Fake use get rid.